Welcome to NFT Sundays, a weekly conversation around art and technology, brought to you by Dementi and the Museum of Crypto Art. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of NFT Sundays. I am Colborn Bell, Museum of Crypto Art. Special thank you to Dementi on production. And I am joined today by a dear friend, legendary crypto artist, trash art historian, the great Eric Rhodes, Second Realm. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Likewise, my friend, it always gets interesting when you are involved. Uh, let's start where we always start. I'm going to ask you anything you want to tell us about yourself and how you came to be in this wonderful space. Yeah, sure. So um, I sort of just found it by happenstance, actually. I was already investing in crypto art, already, I mean, in, in crypto and sort of um, was going through a difficult time in my life with, with some mental health journey, with my own mental health journey. And um, I happened to just type in crypto and art into Twitter one day and fell down this really beautiful, wonderful rabbit hole that is the NFT land landscape. We didn't call it NFTs back then, sort of just called it crypto art. It was a lot more fun and exciting to me back then. But, um, you know, here I am today. I didn't think we'd be here today, to be perfectly honest with you. I am right there with you. I can only speak back to that early time. I myself was struggling. I was looking for personal identity. I found this group of incredibly um, diverse, robust weirdos who just kind of really believed in something different. Um, can you just describe like the emotions and feelings of what that early beginning was like? So for me in the very beginning, I was... I was practicing art in public, but in a very quiet corner of the internet. So it felt very like, you know, uh, it felt very safe to me. And, um, and through that just sort of found this really amazing community of trash artists, um, friends like Colin, Rob Ness, Max, you, um, Sats Moon, like all these crazy people that I, I ne not crazy, but like, awesome people that I never would have met. Um, but I did that just through sort of experimenting in this world of crypto art. And here, here we are today. It's two years later from when I, three years from when I dropped my first Genesis piece. And um, wow, I am, I'm surprised and happy. I have this career as an artist, something I've dreamed about since I was a kid. And when we were playing, play, I called it play around, when we were playing around in this space and sort of seeing if the technology could work at scale, um, I, didn't, I didn't think that I'd spend the next two years like living full-time as on crypto as a creator and like finding this community. It gave me life. It really, I said in an interview in 2020, Trash Art Week 2020 with Coldy, um, we, the trash artists came together and I had expressed that the community saved my life and it really did. It, it gave me purpose. It sort of, I was going through really difficult mental health issues at the time. My marriage was shit. Um, you know, my life was, I was, I was, oof, my career, I was going in, what do they call it? I was burning out from my career. Like I just needed to find a new place to discover who I was and I found it. And yeah, I, I really, it found me and you all like helped nurture 
who I am today, you know, just by being friends and like sharing crazy art ideas. I mean, that that resonates so deeply with me, my journey. And I think a lot of people's journey in the beginning was very similar. Um, it was just a strange experimental kids in a sandbox place. I feel like everybody was very free to voice their opinions. Uh, there might have been some controversy, but it was it was familial. You know, there was like love and a safe space for us to just be creative, be experimentative. Um, so where was your first mint? Super rare, um, actually. I thought and it was. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know. So I applied to Super Rare April. No, I got accepted to Super Rare April of 19. But I didn't mint my first token until July or June of 19. Because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know what it meant to mint or tokenize. or, And I didn't know that Super Rare was this prestigious uh, platform that I had got accepted to. I had no clue. I knew nothing about the community. So for me, I was just sort of like fumbling through. Like I really consider myself that my experience is very similar to Alice in, in Alice in Wonderland. Uh, we we're on a path in, in parallel, right? My journey as a collector started on super rare. Um, and I come from kind of a tradition of like digging in the crates, you know, there were years of uh, unacquired, pieces that had been minted uh so much history depth you could tell in the very beginning that nobody really knew what they were doing you know there was like some incredibly beautiful pieces and there were you know pieces that were like forgotten or like heavy glitch or mimetic um i think everybody just trying to kick the ball around and kind of see what stuck all to say <laughs> you know i would go in and i was just throwing out very low ball bids on whatever I liked, you know, a hundred bids a day uh, with no expectations. And I'd wake up to like a flurry of emails um, of my bid was accepted. And, you know, it was like $20. My, one of my, my first piece was Max Osiris. Uh, I think I paid $26 and, and flipped wow. it two months later for $83. And I felt like a genius. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I remember getting excited about, like $5 sales and watching people like X copy talk about $5 sales. And like this, it, you know, it didn't seem like reality, like, holy shit, here we are trading and selling digital art at scale and or seemingly at scale to us at the time. And, um, and, and it's for, and it's for crypto that can be converted to dollars. You mean I'm like, I'm really making money on something I've been doing as a passion for f how old am I? 30. I forget how old I am. 40 something. Yeah. But uh, for many years, like 25 plus years, right? I've been doing art and now I get to sell it and make money off it. Crazy. Speak more about that. I'd love to hear it. Like just the, the foundational um, aspect of how that empowered you, because I think that power mm -hmm. very much continued to grow and grow and grow. Yeah. So you know, I come from traditional art world, art background, where you had to have an MFA uh, or you had to be very wealthy. And that was the way you got into the gallery system and made money. Or you could do sort of the gig economy and become an illustrator or a designer. And uh, you worked and made money that way. Um, but it was always at the hands of someone else, right? There was that middleman that was required to 
that, that was required for, I felt like this was the, the, the language that I had learned and what I was being told that there was a middleman and I had to connect with that middleman in order for them to accept my creations and then be able to sell it, right? Uh, whether that was design or whether that was uh, digital illustration or whether that was fine art, right? Uh, I, I didn't come from the mindset of of the, um, oh, what would you call, like people who go to flea markets and stuff like that. I didn't come from that entrepreneurial background. So I didn't think like that. And so when I, when, when I saw this world happening, it was for me just a place to experiment at first. And I was like, maybe I'll, you know, I'm interested in crypto. I mean, maybe I can make a hundred bucks, you know, and, and turn that into Bitcoin. And how, how cool would that be? That was literally the mindset at first. Uh, but the fe the feeling of like selling work and someone validating it, f validating you as an artist because they bid on a piece of work. You didn't have to shill it. Um, people were just interested in the artwork itself. That was That was new for me. And that really shaped me as an artist today. And, you know, when I got kicked off of Super Rare, it shaped me as an artist even more because now I could no longer rely on the, the halo effect of, of the premier platform and that being a signal to other collectors. So I had to learn how to, like, create this value for myself. So I kept growing as an artist. Um, it's just been, I don't know, I'm still learning. Yeah. Yeah, wading through the dark, like hand in hand all together. Before we get into uh, your unceremonious removal from Super Rare, uh, <laughs> I, I, what, what, you were, what you were very early to that I appreciate and I've been increasingly obsessed with is just like the immediate responsiveness of digital art to culture. You had some very highly charged political pieces. Okay. Those are what, yeah, attracted me to your work. Um, mm -hmm. I love the style. I love the aesthetic. Um so maybe you could just speak to that, the immediacy of the culture, and then we can speak to how that immediacy of culture sure. kind of, yeah. It's, uh, it's dangerous uh, to, be, to be responsive to culture in, in an immediate visual way. Um, or at least that was my perception of it at the time. And the way that I wanted to be dangerous about it was make connections between Trump and Hitler, which, yeah. you know, that's look, honestly looking back now, I could have been, I, I, I would say I could have been a better artist and did it, um, did it with more forethought. And here's the reason why I had some, you know, two or three years since then. Um, if we're going to connect or relate somebody visually to Hitler, that person better be, as bad or worse than Hitler. And I don't like Trump. I, didn't, I never did in like his personality. Um, I couldn't get behind a lot of his personal politics. Um, and so it was really personal to make that connection. But when I think about it, uh, I was foolish isn't the right word. Um, I was naive, I think, a little bit in using that imagery, but it's there. And I did it. And I think ultimately it, it foreshadows a lot of the, the, the future journey, right? We were seeing this rise in, um, you know, like popular politics and, and anger and a lot of just like, 
ideology being directed down onto people. And I think yes. when when Robness dropped um, the 64-gallon totter, right, and he was removed from Super Rare, I think there was kind of a immediate reaction to that. Um, so maybe you can speak about that moment and what you were feeling then. Yeah, I was mostly an observer uh, to trash art at that point it wasn't even trash art it was sort of like rodness doing his trash gifts uh max creating havoc and pushing the boundaries and uh jay delay doing it outside of of super rare and with his spam art like uh you know their addresses right and everybody has access to them so if you know whose address it is you could just i mean gas was so fucking low I remember times looking at my MetaMask and be like zero cents to transfer. You know, it's not zero cents, but the the it was just a super dollar. Yeah, yeah, maybe even less. I don't even know. And um, and so there was a lot of you know pushing against what was expected because the concept of decentralization. Um, I think we were a little bit. Had a, had a utopian vision of what that could be, right? Where platforms that were entering the space, there was an expectation from, at least from, from me and maybe some of the other trash artists, maybe not everybody, but, you know, the bulk of us, uh, where gatekeeping was something that we weren't going to do anymore because this new blockchain way of trustless environment, you know, uh, allowed us to experiment and explore and keep the keep the community open, but what we soon realize is that some 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 teams hide behind their terms of service or um, their more influential collectors, uh, the whales at the time, and and they will if they if if they didn't like what they were seeing or they thought that art that was too glitchy or trashy looking. Uh, was going to devalue their collect their current collection. They were pushing to remove those artists. The exact opposite of what the ethos of at least the I think the utopian ethos of decentralization was meant to be. I think there's a happy balance that we're learning to sort of wade through. But at the time, boy, was it divided. I was going to comment on that. The Especially tenuous relationship between the marketplace operators, what could be considered more fine artists on the site, the big whale collectors, and then just like this rebellious band of troublemakers, the utopians, the the idealists. Um, so, you know, when that moment occurred, of course, it was pivotal. It exposed and brought to the surface all of these interesting kind of like market dynamics that are mm -hmm. in conflict or contrast with the artist as the creator and pure expressive. Um, so, you know, let's... And then, of course, you know, there were just not the tools, right? The artists show the builders the tools that they need, and then people respond and move, you know, artwork and capital accordingly. Um, so, you know, from there, Rarible was born, and we saw, you know, a, a large exodus. And, uh, you know, perhaps you want to speak then on, you know, your subsequent commentary and how uh, that, you know, kind of inflamed the powers that be. 
Yeah, so I remember when Rob Ness started selling uh, more glitchier art on on Super Rare, and I was like, "Look at this guy!" You know, it's not it's not the traditional what people would expect to be fine art, right? It, it isn't three D modeled. It isn't it isn't smooth. It isn't um, pretty. It's not meant to be pretty, right? And I think that at first I was, and I was, I was uncomfortable with that, but I soon realized how attractive that was to me personally. And then he got kicked off. And I've always been a proponent of, uh, you know, this idea that creators help. No, we need to be able to comment on the culture. We need to be able to have the freedom to use imagery that would otherwise be considered, and I say dangerous because to corporations, artists are dangerous. To culture, artists are dangerous uh, because we, we, we shine the light and we reflect on what it is that people uh, don't want to see. And the, and the reality is what Robness ended up showing us was the dynamic ended up being the same as the traditional art world. Yeah. And not only did, 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 did him getting kicked off prove that the support he garnered from it um, also continued to show that, but there was an appetite from us, from, from other supporters, other artists, people like you who, who saw it as um, the next evolution and in the way art can be represented i want to go back and kind of speak to like the mode of distribution because mm -hmm. you know i think also where they got in trouble was that they were creating 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 minting 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 and selling for dollars right you know it went right. to the druid for five dollars it went to yeah. you know whoever these early people who just put a bid in they just wanted it in and out the door and then they kind of left it up to those secondary market sales to kind of recoup the value. And it's so interesting to me that, you know, many of like the great artists or many of the great pieces, uh, a lot of that stuff in the beginning was really given away for free. Yeah, there's a, there was a, there's a longstanding debate about, uh, it's sort of in the background now, but it still exists, this, this concept that we're supposed to not mint our our art uh, at a rate that's too much for the community to handle so that it drives this vision of scarcity that these ROI collectors want to have and hold. And w that was one of the things that I think we were, we as a collective, and I use the word collective as a small C, not, not the big C, because we're not, we're not uh, organized that way. Yeah, we're not a formal collective. We proved that interest in the artwork um has, has very little to do with how much of it is out there in the world right uh it's not it's not scarcity that matters it's demand right but scarcity was something that that i think is conceptually these and i hate to use this derogatory term but i'm going to defy chads uh, had a mental model of and when they transitioned from you know, crypto cryptocurrency land into NFT land before PFPs, because then PFPs actually helped amplify their their perspective. But one of one art was became sort of like, especially trash art became an antithesis of that model. 
Um, and then we saw them, we saw the community sort of go right back to that model with PFPs, unfortunately, uh, and sort of push push it one-on-one art in the background. But, you know, I think that that time in 19 and 20 is going to be unique and special for the, his- the rest of the history of art on the blockchain. And, and I'm happy to be there, have been there for it. It it should be uniquely studied because it was, again, just like the most utopian. It was the most art that I saw. It was the furthest from the model and it was the most disruptive. Um, and I think, Completely. like you like you say, we're finding this happy medium um, right now. One of the things that I think uh, is important to bring up is like the concept of the remix. Uh, today we're seeing all kinds of derivatives of all kinds of projects and those collectors willingly and happily collecting those derivatives that reflect the ones that they have in their collection. Um, that's and you led that. Let's let's be real. Like you led that. Yeah. So let's talk about that project if yeah. you would. Well, so I think well I think it's important to talk about trash art and its relationship to unofficial punks, which is where I'll, I'll, I'll go to that. Yeah. Uh, but trash art, we pushed the boundary of the remix. Robness with his toter, right? Was a was a photo moshed uh, toter from a Home Depot website, right? Um, Probably we a conti- t- two minutes to create, if that. Yeah. If that. <laughs> right. It was a right. click. Probably took longer for him to up to upload it and mint it than it did for him to make it. Definitely. Um, and so, like, and but he got kicked off for that. So we as trash artists, we doubled down. We started remixing artists that agreed with us, like Pacatow. I called it I call it Pacatow, but it's uh Hackatow and Pack or Murat Pack, um, who were and and some others, like Coldy, uh I think um he was a supporter, but he's he's changed a little bit today. And I'll call it out. He didn't vote for us. I'll call it right here. This is the mouth I've been holding on to. He didn't vote for our reinstatement onto super rare. Um, he has 1.6 million rare and could have flipped the tide at any point. He's it's his right to do that, of course, but uh, being a super holder and a quote unquote friend to trash art, I would have expected at least him vote Robness. He didn't even vote Robness. Um, and so that, that, you know, anyway, that kind of like that's something I've been holding on to, and I, I wanted to just shout it out here. Air it out, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so anyway, the, the remix I remixed a whole lot of people because of their anti-trash art uh, sentiment, anti-remixing sentiment, which led me to the unofficial punks, which for me is an extension of trash art. It is an extension of the remix culture that we were already sort of pushing and already sort of doing. Uh, but what I saw an opportunity for was this. There was a gap. Um, everybody, punks were untouchable. Yeah. You weren't allowed to remix. Like, you know, no, not nobody thought of remixing them in the in the in the conceptual way that I did. Uh, and so I did it, and then this sort of created permission for other artists to sort of flood in and feel comfortable doing that. But up until that point, they were the premier, pristine, 
nobody touched with them nobody fucked with them um and then i did and it just blew the gates wide open and then unfortunately or fortunately two months later fortunately for a lot of collectors uh the apes came in april so that that happened february of 21 apes come april of 21 and they just changed the dynamic completely because um because of the way they dropped their artwork the the roadmap that everybody you know everybody has a roadmap these days uh, the idea of the roadmap showing that there's a long-term vision for it. That was all, you know, new to the community. Yeah. And then it evolved from there, right? Now we're seeing, you see doodles, you see ghosts, uh, and then you see derivatives of all of them mashing up into each other, made by co community members and fans of the community, and maybe even some rug pullers and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but I don't think any of that's possible in our space without trash art first making it comfortable for everybody to consider the remix and then for unofficial punks to sort of opening the gates and f opening the floodgates for that to be possible and it was your iconic piece right that that was the hackatow remix with the whale in the bowl was that you that was me yeah, yeah so that's, that one was that's the piece that got me kicked off super rare i never minted it on super i just threatened to mint it <laughs> on september 1st on twitter and then on September 2nd, 2020, I got an email from John, um, you know, and he politely in the most corporate kind of way said, I had said I didn't want to be part of the platform anymore, which I, I never did. And uh, all, all I asked for was for their terms and the, the way that they interpret and, and make decisions off those terms be similar. It seemed to me that they were targeting Max. It seemed to me that they were targeting very specific people at the request of very other specific people, uh, specifically Whale Shark and specifically Hackatow and Pack, in my opinion. Uh, and so I remixed a Hackatow using all of Whale Shark imagery, uh, including the whale logo in inside. And it was sort of my interpretation. It was like, it's that it's 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 how we it's doing what we, what what you had said in your in your very famous quote i'm i'm like addressing the the moment in history using art right and and they didn't like that and they didn't like it so they booted me off the platform people were saying with images what we wanted to express with words and it was much yeah. more powerful in that visual medium um yeah of course it is because it's less controlled right like they the interpretation is is subjective as opposed to objective and it's permanent uncensorable speech that is tied to the blockchain like you cannot yeah. escape that fundamental right of the artist to bring this work from anywhere in the world irregardless of who they are if they're public if they're not and have that message be shared and i think that's so core to what crypto art is yeah, and I ended up I ended up minting that piece on a Rarible, go figure. Um, and Red Lion Eye, the guy who has who who runs that magazine, that beautiful, yep. well, really well done magazine. Uh, he ended up buying it, and he bought Smart. Fu, which was Fu is one of my last pieces on Super Rare, and it's just titled the letter F, the letter U, and I put in there it's about fair use, so I used. Hackata the Hackatow logo. I mean, the pack logo, and inside yeah. it was was the Hackatow eye, Eyes. and it was just spinning. Yeah. 
Super cool piece. Uh, why don't we talk also, I mean, because you weren't done there, you know, you, you transitioned to the people's potato. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah. let's, let's talk the about award the winning, that. The award-winning the award people's potato. Yes. A, a low-effort trash artwork uh, that was moshed in about as much time as Rob Ness's toter. I, I minted that in response to a conversation where again man super super rare must have really like um i must have been really focused and they must have been really sort of pushing me like personally because it was a conversation max and and zach had super rare zach um about i had i had made a tweet about there were one billion assets on rareable and of course zach had a comment and he was sort of like, well, yeah, where 400,000 of them are, are Max Osiris's, you know, potato rose or something. And that, and I called it, yeah, the people's potatoes, what I called, like, I think I responded to that. And I was sitting down on my computer. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fucking mint 1 billion potatoes. Can I do it? Is it possible? Will Rarible let me do it? Like, this was the thought process. And yeah. I just did it. I minted 1 billion of them, uh, not realizing what it was going to become or how I would use it. It was totally in response once again to that moment, uh, you know, to create a piece of artwork, low effort in the trash art style, you know? Uh, and here I, I, I end up unbeknownst to myself, basically creating a fungible a non fungible token. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Why don't we just like fast forward to where we are now? Mm -hmm. um, and just broadly, I, I know we never expected it. Uh, how does it feel? Where do you think we've won? And what uh, remains to be done? I'm taking a, a beat to think about this question. Because naturally, it has been on my mind. And I have been working through it um, creatively as I reflect on the last three years. But I've taken, me personally what was sort of hobby-esque and um, a fun playing, you know, I felt like I use the visualization of a baby in a sandbox with a hammer, yeah. right? They will use it to dig. They will use it to bang. They will use it to, you know, as, as a crutch. They will use it in all different kinds of ways. And that's how we were thinking about the blockchain and art in 2019 and 18 right and so and and before that um and so i try to take that concept internalize it for myself and continue to do that today but i'm certainly more business-minded and entrepreneurial about it i've i've read you know my my studio is second realm studio that's why i ended up transitioning from second realm the pseudonym to Eric, the artist, and I run a studio called Second Realm, which is where all where all of my art is delivered through. Um, I I want to fashion myself as a as as I mean, I want to be so bold as to say, like I want to become a, a super famous artist. Um, you know, I, I I have those visions. I don't think you you if you if you can't leave it up to chance. So for me, it's really about just taking everything I've learned, especially all the the fights that I've had in the past, like fighting for my 
my place in this space, taking the lessons about that, uh, being still being true to myself though. Um, like I'll never respect Pack or Hackatel or Whale Shark. And we might, you know, I don't even know what these people look like and they may shake my hand out there in the world and I don't really care if they do. And if they don't pretend, if they want to pretend. But if I knew who they were, the things that I've said online are the things I would still say to their face today. Um, and and there's a, I give everyone 100% implicit trust. This is where I'm going. Yeah. And I feel like they've, that trust has been lost with them. So I don't know that they could ever get it back for me. But that's okay. I'm not a collector. I'm a creator. Right. I think I'm on the same level as them. Maybe collectors don't, but I, I feel like I am. Um, so for me, where I am today is this is a business for me, and, and it's, it's a creative passion for me, and the fact that I get the opportunity to do it uh, is special. I, I never want to lose the trust that I've gained with my collectors, so I'll always be the person you know, that stands up for what I think is right in that moment, and then if I'm wrong, I will admit it, you know, yeah. uh, but that's that's what I think about where where I am today. Uh, this is a business for me. It's it's but it's the power of the voice of the artist. Yeah, right? it's it's um, it just speaks to uh, again that that fundamental freedom, you know, and I feel like crypto was always kind of like the bastion of free thought and free ideas and capital being transferred to that. Uh, and in a world that becomes increasingly sterile in metaverse environments that become increasingly sterile, uh, these people are few and far between and very special. So just like having watched, you know, I want to give my gratitude to everything that you've done. Um, and I hope we all continue to find ways to continue to break out of the box and definition and continue to show, you know, the true power of crypto art. I, I agree with that. I think um, I tend to be ahead of the curve a little bit. Like I was playing with with liquidity mining and NFTs in 2020 before PFP products even thought about doing that, right? Uh, as part of their roadmap. Like, you know, for me, these are all art experiments. This whole experience is an experiment for me. But for the first time, I feel like I'm actually giving a voice to the person I've been hiding my entire life. Mm that's what this allows me to be you know uh the the snarky dude with an attitude who's actually got a heart of gold right yeah. like you know that's the real person that's who i am and i get to be that here in corporate america i had to pretend i had right. to like kowtow to the fucking assholes in the suits upstairs i don't do that here if you know if i respect you i respect you if you lose if i lose respect for you i've lost respect for you like you know yeah. and i feel like as my own person uh and my own business i get to do that and that's really yeah. powerful and i think that's the power that you're talking about for an artist all artists have the ability to own their power yeah it's it's godfather vibes it's like very loose mafia you know it's mm -hmm. um it's it's principled and that's what i like about it you know because it's it's familial um, so once you break that family trust, once you break that circle, it's just, and it's implicit trust until it's removed. And a lot of my experiences, uh, brought me to, to similar realizations. Um, did it feel like redemption to be reinstated? No. It's no, just it old, old news. Yeah. It felt necessary for them. Yeah. Yeah. I thought if they didn't 
honestly, I didn't care so much if I wasn't going to get reinstated, but if Max, Max and Robness didn't, um, I thought, well, that would just prove to me um, that the system was kind of broken, right? Uh, but, but what I didn't believe, what I didn't realize was how much support we had, we did garner. There was almost a hundred percent yes vote on all of us. How wonderful that is. So really it goes out to the community. And that's why I keep thanking the rare community. I purposely don't thank super rare, although Zach did vote, vote for us. Um, I, I purposely don't thank super rare because I don't think it was them who should be thanked. Um, you know, for me, not redemption. It was, it is what it is. I have something really special planned. Um, Super. Really, really special working with a few artists to drop something. And then once that's dropped, I'll never mint on that platform again. I, I'm, a, I'm a collector by, you know, being part of the crypto art NFT world. And I talk a lot about some of the projects I'm a part of, like, you know, Royal Society players or crypto skulls and things like that. And I try to do it in a way that shows people these aren't paid shills. These are things that I'm just actively involved in as a community member. And as an artist, I find it really difficult sometimes, especially in, in this community uh, where the shill is, is an art form for some of these scammers and spammers and, and um, you know, rug pull projects to, to like do it in a thoughtful way without, without people feeling like, without people feeling like I'm, I'm also part of the, you know, shill culture. Yeah. And so, and at the same time yet, I still have to shill my own artwork. Right. So, and, and it's, it's, it's marketing, it's all marketing. So I, I struggle with that still, you know, being, being a, an honest community member and yet, what does that perception look like? So that's sort of been top of mind lately. I'm I'm right there with you as we look to get the museum sustainable and trying to, you know, sell people a, a room within the museum and a product and, you know, the constant weight of marketing. It It's a challenge for somebody like me, just like very idealistic. And um, we have just a couple more minutes. So I think we have time mm -hmm. for one more question and I'm, I'm going to sure. make it just like a totally out there different question uh but i'm curious on your take of this idea of the metaverse um if bringing people into digital spaces uh will ultimately prove dystopian um or you know what is what is this like cost benefit that you see in inviting people into digital realms and worlds well i think my immediate reaction is where are people going to in the NFT space now to connect? They're going to LA, they're going to Miami, they're going to New York, they're going to physical locations, right? Um, I think the physical aspect will always outshine and outweigh uh, a metaverse experience. We're human, we need physical contact. We crave it on a biological level to be next to people. Uh, to be with people who are interested in the things we're interested in. So um, I, I think that they'll end up being sort of like e-commerce websites, a user interface that allows people to eventually connect and come together 
and meet each other in the real world. Uh, somebody who does that really well will end up being, I think, the winner in the end. Um, I don't think Ready Player One is like that that utopian vision of the Ready Player One experience. I don't think it's. I, I think it's ultimately um, dystopian in nature, and, and they prove it in the movie. Right? They shut yeah. the they shut that metaverse down for two days so people can connect. Like, even in science fiction, they're thinking about how to shut down the metaverse. Yeah. All right, Eric, you have been absolutely wonderful. Please give people uh, one last tidbit of wisdom, final words, any advice you want to share and let people know where to find you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, mental health is uh, something I'm truly passionate about. Um, I've been on my mental health journey for a long time. And the my one piece of advice is take care of yourself. If you need to step away, step away. If you need to talk to someone, talk to someone it took 37 years for me to do that um and you know i want other people to know that there are people who might feel broken like myself at the time uh we're we're out here we're with you um uh, so that's that's one thing that i'd really always try to get in there um the where you can find me eric p Rhodes, on twitter and eric p Rhodes.com, uh is my website and portfolio Man, it's it's super beautiful. Like your heart shines through. You are like the super passionate, authentic person, unafraid of anything, heart of gold. Uh, I have a lot of love and gratitude for what you do. Thank you for joining us on NFT Sundays. I'm Colborn Bell, Museum of Crypto Art, artist, historian, uh, just all around great person, Eric Rhodes. Breaking news. <laughs>